This is The Instigators, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to It is about the journey and not the destination and what a journey it has been for our guest on the podcast today. Marty, welcome in. I'm really excited for this episode. And if you searched your career on HockeyDB.com, how many teams do you think would show up for you as a player? Okay, so I would say four in the National Hockey League, two in the American League, one in the East Coast Hockey League, two in juniors, and maybe one in midgets. So I'm thinking that's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, probably. Nine is the correct number from what I saw. When okay. you search Jason Payne, 27 teams come up. Isn't that unbelievable? <laughs> it's pretty amazing. And some links, I don't even know like uh, what they are. The QSMHL, the Quebec Senior Major Hockey League, I, I, I would think, but I have no idea. So, yes, he's well-traveled, and maybe why he's learned so much about the game of hockey from different backgrounds and different people. He was a goalie as a kid, a skater in his teens, became a physical presence for his, you know, 14 years as a pro. He's a teacher, an instructor, a mentor, a coach, a GM, and he has this excellent head coaching opportunity now well-earned for him in Cincinnati. And when you're serious about the game, bet on Buffalo at the only sports books in Western New York. Seneca Resorts and Casinos betting counters are open daily and self-service betting kiosks are available 24-7 at all three locations. Whether you're visiting Seneca Niagara, Allegheny, or Buffalo Creek, the Sports Lounge features the latest lines and multiple screens so you never miss a play. The Sports Book at Seneca Resorts and Casinos where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win. And now, Head coach of Buffalo's ECHL affiliate, the Cincinnati Cyclones, Jason Payne. Jason, you're not only the coach of the Cyclones, you're the director of hockey operations as well. And uh, a quick perusal of the league stats shows 42 players used by your team this year, including seven netfinders. I'm glad you're smiling about it because I can't imagine how many man hours this has uh, taken up in your time behind the bench. It has definitely taken up a lot of time, uh, you know, just to keep pace with everything going on. The hockey world is crazy right now. There's so much happening, you know, with, with the COVIDs, the injuries, the unfortunate luck of, of our organizations, you know, from top to bottom. Just being able to manage and be, try to stay ahead, they say, stay ahead of the curve on this one. You know, uh, the poor goaltending situation, I feel sorry for those guys. You know, they get in and something happens. Another one comes in, something happens. It's just one after another. The only positive light you could you could take from this whole situation is let's get this all out of the way early. Everyone's going to be back healthy. Next, you know, we'll have a different problem to deal with. Where are we going to put everybody? Yeah, well, let me ask you this. Do you have any good stories like Seth Appert and Mike Weber have to uh, bring in a, a bartender from a restaurant they like to go to to be the emergency backup goaltender? Do you have any of those stories or phone calls that you had to make to, you know, I, people that you knew from hockey and say, do you know anybody that can come in? So what has been the most challenging phone call or stories you had to, to, to deal with? Honestly, we, we don't have to deal with that much uh, when it comes to that. Certain places, if you don't stay ahead of the, this whole thing happening, yeah, you're going to get in that situation. We have to you know, call our local friend who's running the, the Buffalo Wild Wings down the street or something. But um, <laughs> you know, the key is to have your, 
it, uh, the, the people would say nowadays it's your cell phone, but the old days it's your Rolodex. Make sure it's it's constantly spinning because you got to keep your finger on the pulse of everything what's going on and just being able to have the lucky bounces of you know knowing people in the in the league below us in the SB and you know also with everything going on in Ontario and Canada with their CIS program with the schools. There's a lot of players that are in college that are at a point where you know what there's not going to be much much if any more hockey at the end of the season that they want to get get going right away so you know when when we catch wind of that and our whole league catches wind of that you could imagine the phone calls are just flying across the canada trying to recruit players so uh we went from a team that was fairly you know at a good age to very young very quick and just trying to fill a lot of holes where we can with either trades or newly new acquisitions. Uh, you know, as of right now, I only have one contract guy on, on our team right now. And he was just sent down a couple days ago, if not last week. Before that, I've had none. So wow. That is unreal. And what a great perspective to to let us in on when it comes to the Canadian colleges, because that is that is a very much an afterthought for people, you know, that that follow the game. They don't think about those kids and their potential you know, wanting to jump into professional hockey and... Duffer, uh, uh, quickly, if I may, yeah, like when you course. say only one contract, like everybody else is on tryouts, is that what you're talking about? Well, when I say contract, guys, I'm, I'm talking more or less contracts through Buffalo Rochester. Okay, okay, yeah, That's yeah. Our contract, because so we have American League contract guys. So we, we only have one now, we, we never had any before, because that's what most of the teams in our league have the affiliates, where, you know, their affiliates in the American League send a bunch of players down to do that for their development. So without that being said, you know, sometimes you get five, six, seven, sometimes you get three, maybe less. And when you don't, you have to fill your roster with regular ECHL contracts. And, okay. you know, when you have a many, as many American League contracts, you know, obviously your ECHL contracts would be minimum. So with that being said, now you lose all your American League contracts. You got to fill them with ECHL contracts. Well, yeah. think about it. All the good American League contract guys or guys that you could have filled with maybe a long time ago are not available because they're signed somewhere else. So where am I going to get my next players from? So, you know, you got to scour the market. You got to stay on top of things, talking to agents, players, and you know, your best selling tool and your best recruiting tools, are your own players. You know, they all have friends. They know people that can reach out and tap into those resources as best you can. <laughs> Everybody oh, gets did. 10%. It's like you get a discount. <laughs> if you sign a buddy, we get you back 10%. Let's go. <laughs> Boy, Marty, I don't know. I don't think you want to be dividing that. There's time. no referral program. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's a referral program for everybody. Incentive, oh. an incentive. Oh my yes. goodness. Well, you know what? It, it's amazing. It, just what you were saying, Jason, I think ties in with what I wanted to ask about what it feels like from your perspective, being connected to the Sabres organization. I, I think it's been very obvious for those of us that have been around here for a number of years, how inclusive the Sabres now are with AHL and ECHL affiliates all working together. I, I don't know how that dynamic typically played out in other organizations before, but just like, for example, seeing you on the ice when the prospects come to Lecom Harbor Center at the start of the fall and you're wearing your Buffalo Sabres gear uh, with all the other coaching staff. Like to me, that must have a very significant impact on you personally. And as you said, like make it a selling point for players to talk about being in this organization 100 uh you know when you go to training camp yeah for sure to be in the, the sabers uniform to have an emblem on your chest and to go on the ice with the prospects 
you know, they make you feel welcome. The organization from top to bottom. And, you know, if this, people can say what they want, you know, listen, every team has their struggles and it is what it is. And at the end of the day, the NHL is the NHL. Buffalo Sabres to me is a great organization. You know, they work hard. They do the best they can, like every organization. And puck luck is puck luck. It is what it is. But it's not about necessarily that product on the ice. It's what you do off the ice as a, as a group, as a team, as a person, you know, as an organization, and as a culture. And that's what you want. To, that's what you want to manifest. And that's what you want to spread amongst all your young prospects. You want, you want them to feel inclusive. You want them to feel that they're a part of the organization. It doesn't matter where they are. If they're in Rochester or they're in Cincinnati. And even our East Coast League contract guys down here, we want them to feel a part of, hey, you know what? I may not be in an American League deal or an NHL deal, but I'm in the system. <laughs> I may be deep in the system, but I'm in the system. You know, so it's something that they can hang their hat on, something they can be prideful for, and just knowing that, hey, I just got to do what I got to do and perform. And that's what we try, the message we try to spread down here. She, I guess I want to. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I, I guess like you talk about guys that are deep in the system and like they are just trying to stay in the system. And I look and Duffer, you, you, you referenced uh, Jason Zaki DB page, right? I mean, I think there's nine teams that, as Duffer said, that I was listed on. You have over 20. Like you've, you've been through that journey. I, I think you may have played against my brother in the 0405 season. He was in Tedford Mines in the North American <laughs> Hockey League in Quebec. You were in Quebec. My brother was playing with Link Gates, right? In, yes. in Tedford Mines or whatever. Like, You've been around a while. So what does that journey for you represent and being able to talk to these guys that you're bringing in and say, hey, stay involved because you never know what could happen. It's amazing you say that because I had a story with a gentleman today and just so to, for him to understand and put it in perspective, I get it. You know, I've been around this game for a long time and just to share my experiences with them and let them understand there's nothing that you're going to go through or have gone through or feeling that I haven't done before. You know, hockey was old school back in the day where, you know, they would expect you just to do something and not tell you how to do it or explain. Like the generation of now is about the why. They need to know now. They need to know the whys. And to be able to walk the walk and not just talk the talk, that, that I think speaks a lot of volumes because then it allows the, the players to relate. And they know that you care because you truly understand what they're going through. It's not easy. It's not an easy journey. You know, they have to deal with a lot of stuff on ice, off ice. And I share stories with them that I've gone through. And Believe me, it's a jaw dropper. It's an eye opener for them. And the leagues that I've traveled to, and it's funny, sometimes you walk in and I look, guys, they start looking at me and I'm like, what? why are you looking at me that way? I'm just kind of wondering what's going on. And then I find out, they go, we Googled you and we watched you on YouTube. Oh, wow. And I was like, so, you know, it's, it's just that generation. They go, man, I didn't know, I didn't know you could fight like that. Like, because I, I again, it's, it's what the image I give off when I'm here. I, 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 what I did on the ice is a job is, is what I did. And I did it for my team and I did it, you know, for the, for the organization. It was never personal. It, it, you do what you got to do for my team. My team comes first. And that's the same message what I'm trying to, to spread amongst our players here. Team first. You know, I did everything I had to do for the team. And now that we're in a position where I can share that with these young players to help them develop, it's about the team first. My job is to have, make you have success, allow you to have success. And whichever way it is, we'll work on it. We'll work through it. If I got to share my stories with you, if I got to walk through the walk with you, it is what it is. You work for me, I'll work even harder for you. And that's the whole mentality, the whole message. And again, sometimes the truth, honest truth is the best truth, but it's how you deliver the message is what's key. And that's what I was trying to tell a player about, you know, the, the generation of today, as opposed to the, where, when we used to play. I, Marty, you know, like you, you've been in, through so many NHL teams and 
you've seen it by sitting on the bench or on the ice. You've seen coaches, how they've acted and how they've yeah. changed over the years and how players have changed over the years. You could say something to a player back in the day and it was a hard, quick, hard message. And they just took it, shrugged it off and went. Those same messages on, on players today, you feel you're, you're afraid to pick them up in little pieces because they don't know how to take what you just said. Yeah. To them. So you got to find that way that find, you got to find that balance. And that's what today's game is about finding that balance and, you know, find that balance between the new age, the middle age or the old age, because every new age coming in is something different. The guys of today are not the guys of tomorrow. Wow. Really well said. And <laughs> there's a couple of things I need to add here because of what you said about <laughs> age and image. The journey you've been on, you're still a very young man. And might I say that the picture on the Cyclones website of you as head coach might be the sharpest looking headshot I've ever seen, like the suit you're wearing <laughs> and how good you look for all the games you've played and the tough physical battles you've been in. I hope you feel as good as you look in that picture. Well, I, I do my best. I do my best. I try to. <laughs> I try to follow into the, the footsteps of these young players. And like, literally I just came out of the gym. I did a, a workout in the gym. It's funny after you play and, and, and Marty, you can attest, you know, being a goalie. And I used to be a goalie back in the day too. So, and I get it. I, and that's why I played every position in the sport. I used to be a goalie. I was a defenseman. I was a forward and I understand. And especially for goalies, but you got to take care of your body. And, and once you've been doing it all your life, it's a lifestyle and it's hard to, shake that so once you've done playing and the minute you do stop playing if you don't continue some way somehow some form to just continue maintain it your body's it's in shock it doesn't know it's like wait a second we've been used to doing this for how many years and now we're not and then it wants to fall apart on you so it's a matter of just do sometimes just managing and doing the best you can and just maintaining that lifestyle or somewhere of that lifestyle and for me it's been deep in my in my fibers it's who i've been it's who i am and i always try to tell the players I'm not going to ask you guys to do something that I won't be willing to do or I cannot do because I've done it before and I'll still do it. So wow. if guys are in the gym, I'll jump, I jump in the gym and I'll throw up the weights and they'll look at me like, can you still bench 300 pounds? I'm like, yeah, but I don't need to, but here, I'll do it here. Watch. Can you, so, you know, and I'll rip it out and they'll look at me like, and then you've now earned their respect again, you know, on top of what you've already done with them. Cause they know if I'm going to tell them to skate up and down the ice, sometimes I'll skate with them. And I might not be able to keep up with these guys because these guys are fast these days, man. They are fast. But they see me trying. And, you know, if they want to chirp me and they go, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, hey, my days of playing are done. But, hey, I'm willing to do it. I'm not going to ask you to do it, and I'm not going to. Even if I can't keep up, I'm still going to try. You can say what you want, but I'll still do what I got to do. So, you know, you build that culture. You build that respect with them that, you know, you have that humility in yourself and in your game and who you are that – you know, you're willing to put yourself on the line regardless of what it takes, even if it's to send a message. So, you know, that's, again, culture, hockey culture. And, and sometimes it gets lost. And it's just a matter of making sure, you know, it's, it's prevalent in the game today. Where, uh, I mean, you retired from professional hockey in 2009 uh, at the ECHL level. And then you didn't start being an assistant coach with Cincinnati until the 2018-19 season. So what did you do? I mean, there's a gap there. A lot of time you see players a year or two later, they're right into coaching and they move on. So what did you do in these nine, 10 years? What's well, amazing. I, you know, I, after I was done, I was contemplating, should I jump back into jump into the coaching right away? And, you know, chips didn't just fall where they, where they were supposed to for me. So at that time I returned back to Toronto where I'm originally from. 
And I plugged myself back into the hockey roots in Toronto. So I ended up coaching a junior A team down there um, with the junior Canadians, as well as a triple A team. So I jumped on with those guys and, was, and that's where my coaching career started. And I also started my own hockey school. So over the years, while I was training, you know, you pick up on things. And what I, I never had the ability to have anybody show me or guide me or set, you know, set that direction for me. It was almost like a self-taught, self-managed. I had to create my own GPS, you know, also with, 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 with Weeksy, my, you know, him and I would train together. And, you know, we weren't fortunate to have those, the trainers of today who had everybody out there like, oh, I'm going to go to my trainer and train at this place or that place. Um, but we had to go and find our own way. We had to go to the parks. We had to go run hills. We had to go do the, I call it the old school way. And I went back and I, again, I started that myself, did, doing that myself, training kids on the ice, doing power skating. It was, I learned a lot from uh, Paul Vincent, who's one of the power skating yeah. gurus in the, uh, uh, of the New England area. And obviously in, your, in the NHL, you know, he taught me a lot, you know, as a, as a person and, and it, uh, also in the sport you know, of, of what I'm doing. And, you know, Graham Townsend, who, who worked with him as well, too, was very close. And, you know, I then connected, reconnected with Graham and got into the power skating as well. And then that also kickstarted myself and my hockey school uh, back in Toronto. So from there, I then plugged myself, obviously, into the hockey world itself with the Junior A, the AAA. And I worked with multiple organizations in the OHL as well, too, as a skating coach, uh, player development, uh, Mississauga Senators, AAA organization. I took a bunch of teams from that organization. I, I was with the 98s at one point. I was with the 99s. Uh, sorry, 97, sorry, and 99s. And then I took the 2000s for a bit. But then I, my biggest, uh, I guess, journey with, the, with that group was a 2002 age group where they asked me to take the 2002 age group. And funny thing is the Senators was an organization I played for in, in minor and midget when I played. So to go back and coach with an organization that, that I came up with was, was, was great. And I said, you know what? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to take this on. Now they asked me to take the 2002 age group and that was in, that was a minor peewee. So I'm like, Oh boy. Now I'm going right back to like where parents are almost tying these kids skates. I'm like, is this what I want to do right now? Like, is this what I want to do? Because I mean, I want to make it, I want to continue to go, but now I'm really going back to the younger age group where, you know, I'm really diving down. I want to, I want to coach older guys and you know, old junior guys, men, but I said, you know what? I took it upon myself watching Pat Patrick Waugh when he went back to coach minor hockey as well too, before he, you know, to get himself back into the climb for me, it was going back and connecting myself with the grassroots, the, the, the players of today. Cause I know the frustration levels that a lot of coaches had dealing with players today, not understanding the way the game is played. And it all stems back from what they were taught as a young player. You know, they're given these, these false uh, perception, these images of what the game is like at the, at, at the next level. And it's only because they only know what's at their level. So to go back and understand wh what makes kids tick. And that's, it stems back to the beginning of our conversation of understanding the players of today. What makes them tick? What makes them go? And then to understand how parents treat them and what they do and how they give these kids these messages. And are they reinforcing it? Are they giving their own message? Are they over coaching or, you know, coaching behind the scenes? And so to learn that and take that, te that team all the way up from, from minor peewee and I promised I would take them all the way up to the, to the minor midget. And we took them to the OHL Cup, which they have back in Toronto. And it was a promise I made to so many parents and, and giving them, that, give them that, that promise that I'm going to be there and I'm not going to leave, leave their team and leave their kids and commit to them. And a lot of players came and a lot of players left. And, you know, it's, you, you try to, it's, it's, it's amazing, the hockey world, how 
you know, it's, it's such a, a cutthroat business, even at the minor hockey level where, mm-hmm. where in, in Toronto, we have the, the, the GTHL and you're coaching kids at, in, you start playing in October and they say you usually have about two and a half weeks, maybe a month of bliss. Then the recruiting season starts for next season. We're only in November and you're already starting to recruit for next season. You know, and, that, and so how do you keep kids engaged? How do you keep kids involved? Like, you know, buying into what the message you're trying to send. Sometimes you have a slow start. Sometimes you, you know, you're, you're struggling here or there, but you're not, you're worried about kids like, cause they're already checked out. Oh, I'm going to go play for this team or I want to go play for that team. And, you know, it's funny because then by the time comes, now you're trying to recruit to over recruit. You're getting under recruited, it, whatever the message may be. It's tough. And sometimes it's, it's big turnover and sometimes it's, it's minimal turnover. You know, your job as a, as a hockey coach is to develop these players. And that's what I was doing. And I take it as a compliment because I was developing players and other teams were trying to take them from me. Now, whatever the sales, <laughs> pitch they, whatever the sales pitch they used to take them, they got them at times. It is what it is. And, you know, it, the unfortunate part, as I try to tell parents, I try to explain to them, it's not about trying to go to the best teams. It's about going a place where you fit in, you're wanted, and you are going to be the man on the team. You're going to get the playing time, the developing, and, that's what it's about. But again, for a lot of parents, they don't know any better. That's the unfortunate part. And, you know, they make decisions that they think is based best on um, their players, their kids, their, their family. And I'm not going to argue with them because, again, I may know better, but I'm not, I can't tell them anything different because it's their choice. So mm-hmm. I went back and I learned that. I learned that from, from many multiple sources, many multiple years, not just in minor hockey, but in junior hockey as well, too. And work with the OHL teams and then understanding how, how it really, you know, translates and correlates to that level and now you're dealing with agents and now and then obviously going back to the pro level now where i where i played 14 years and at the different level so now it's funny as it is the players that are walking through my door right now some of them i used to coach <laughs> wow. players that are coming out next year guys that i've coached that I, that I coached for years you know i i like i said there's there's 98s in our league there's 97s there's 95s there's 96s 2000s you know and and, and they're all coming and these are all kids that i coached are coached against. So what has kept you going in this sport this long? And has anything ever made you want to stop? Passion. I love the sport. I love the game. Uh, I worked my tail off playing it to get to the next level, to get to the NHL. You know, unfortunately for me, it wasn't in my cards to get to the NHL. Uh, although many people said he should have been given a shot, he shouldn't have been given a chance. It didn't work out. You know, I, I, I can't sit back and say, oh, well, somebody, you know, messed with me or I got screwed here. Or I should have done. It is what it is. It is what it is. It's a luck of the, luck of the draw, you know, tough bounces, as we call it, you know, you know no puck luck, but it is what it is. <laughs> you know, the, there's guys that, that I fought for many occasions, many times that, that went on to the NHL and made, had successful careers. And, you know, people like, oh, well, he made it, you know, like, how come you didn't make it? And, you know, do you have any resentment for why? There's no sense to have resentment for it. I'm happy for all those guys. I'm happy for the guys that were in my that were in the, in the trenches with me, who fought and did what they had to do and made it. You know, if 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 I didn't make it, it maybe it just wasn't for me. But the guys that did go on to careers and make it, awesome for them. You know, we had, there was a few guys that like came through Buffalo, Buffalo Sabres alumni like Bolton. Yeah, mm-hmm. I played against him in, in the OHL, and you know, trust me, him and I, I we we used to go at each other all the time all the time, even all into pro. And, you know, he made it, he made the NHL and he made a career for himself. And you know what? 
do I have res- why? I'm happy for him. That's amazing. Good for him. Good for him. Could, do I wish I could have been something like that? For sure. It would have been great if I was, but you know what? I, it, unfortunately, it wasn't. He did it. Great for him. You know, another one, like yeah. Jody Shelley, for example, another one. Mm-hmm. You know, him and I used to have epic battles. And, you know, I see him, I saw him numerous times and we bumped, we ran into each other, we catch up, we talk, and we laugh about the old days, things we used to do and how we went through it. And, you know, for those guys, I have nothing but respect for, you know, because we all battled, you know, they're not dirty. They weren't dirty players. We did, we all did a job that we were, that we were required to do. And that's all that's asked of us. That's all that's asked of us. Keep it honest, stick up for your team, do it. It's all about team first. And, you know, you have nothing but honor and respect for those type of guys. And, and, and that's the same message I try to let, let all my players know. Don't be no. jealous of guys that have made it ahead of you. Just put the work in yourself. What will be for you will be for you. I get, I, I, I sense the passion. I mean, I, I'm a hockey nerd and geek and I love it. Duffer is the same way. And I sense that same passion for the game uh, that we like to share with people in you. Uh, but as Duffer introduced you, he mentioned you're the head coach, but you're also in hockey operations. So as you look at your past and now you turn that around to your future, Is coaching where you really set your road on or is hockey operations something that you want to dabble in and see where that could lead to as well? What's your, the out of the two, what's your biggest passion? Coaching is my passion. Okay. I mean, hands down, it is what it is. Like playing, playing was my passion. I set my focus, my goal to that as well as coach. Now, and now coaching is what it is. So I set my goal and my, and my focus on that, you know, to be, hands-on with the players to help develop them and get them to the next level or achieve whatever dream or goal they want to achieve. I never close the doors to anything, you know, in, in this level down here, I may really wear the hat of head coach and hockey operations, but between myself and my assistant coach, we wear many, many, many hats down here. Yeah. You know, we handle immigration, we handle housing, we handle travel, we handle any type of any, all elements of travel, uh, you know, from, from, per diem to our flights and our driving to whatever it is, we handle it, we deal with it. And that's, and that's what we do in as a whole down here. So for me, I never close the door to anything. Um, but if you talk about passion, what passion is, it's about coaching. Coaching is where I love, where I love to do what I love to do. And, and that's where my focus is. Social media. I've seen more of your posts lately. That doesn't mean you weren't more active before. What do you enjoy about it? How do you view it in the big picture? It's place with your players, with players within the game, within society. You know, that's such an amazing question you asked. And I'm so happy you asked that because this, this has been a real topic of conversation amongst my staff. And I, it's, we, it goes back to what we just talked about earlier. The, the, the players of today, the, the kid, we call them kids of the new generation. They're all about the phones and social media. So you know what? I want to, I, on my social media, I let people know, Hey, these are what, this is what's going on. Keep them in, in tune. What's happening in our, in our league and with my team, with my players, you know, and then with that being said, they're also looking, they're also looking all of a sudden on their social media pops up. Hey, my coach, I'm in the American league and my East coast league coach is so happy for me. And he's giving me his shouts outs and loves. And that's that alone sends such a loud message and not just to that player, but to everybody else, because then they know you want what's best for them. And you're not worried about your own self-preservation. You want to see them survive. You want to see them make a living. You want to see them achieve what they, their goals. And when they succeed and they achieve their goals, we've won as a staff. We've won as a whole. And with social media, sometimes, you know, voices go unheard. But 
you put it out there in, 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 the, in the media world, like you said, it, it gets picked up. Even if they scroll by it under, with their thumb and just happen to breeze by it, whatever, they see it. They may not have to put likes to it, but they see it and people see it. And the more people see it, the more likes you're going to get eventually. But it's funny you said, like, you opened it up. I didn't say anything. You looked at my social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, yeah. It's, it's important. It's powerful. It, it really is. And on top of it, it can be fun. Like your Marvel, you know, Marvel jerseys, <laughs> the Marvel heroes you guys are going to be rocking this weekend. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah it's going to be fun. We, you know, people like that stuff. They like to see the jersey, they like to see what goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah, but it also it, it may, social media could also get you in trouble. And I'm saying, like, you you probably did a lot of stuff. I did a lot of stuff. Get us in trouble. Now you wear many hats. You have to be the coach, hockey ops, travel agent, per diem guy, meal guy. You probably have to do this disciplinarian. So do you check on, on the kids' social media? And all of a sudden, late at night, you're like, I got to drive by. I got to go over there and make sure everything's good. Like, how does that work? Being able to be the private detective as well. Oh, you got, you have to, you have to keep your finger on the pulse. And yeah, a lot of times, honestly, I, I won't, I'll, if things are good on people's social media, I, I'll throw them a, a, a like here and there, but I won't always, I won't always comment. And the funny part about not always commenting is you don't want to always comment because then you let them know that you're always watching. Sometimes you want to sit back in the, in the, in the weeds and just watch, just watch. Then you can kind of pick it apart like, oh, okay, well, this is happening. Oh, okay. Okay. And then you get a finger to pulse of what's happening behind the scenes. Because all of a sudden, player A is not playing well. He's playing differently. He's not doing what he needs to be doing. Hmm. This is interesting. Why is he not doing it? Hmm. Okay. Well, player A was doing this this night, or he was too busy doing this, or he was. Now you have all the, the, the ammo you need. So when you go and talk to the person, you find out, hey, what's going on? Just have a, you know, just general banter. Don't, if you don't have to play your cards, expose yourself. But in the back of your mind, you know what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you can slowly chip away at it and subtly send a message that they get it without you having to really come out and say it. Uh, that's awesome. So do you think, in a short answer, do you think social media is good? I think social media is fine, but it's how you use it. Mm-hmm. Anything is good until you abuse it until you use it incorrectly, then it becomes a weapon. What's yeah, the first, be, what's the first you or anybody else? Yeah. What's the first weeksyism you remember? <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, weeks and I grew up from kids and what he says and what he goes on and what he does, like, these are things that him and I most of the times created together, but if not, it's what we, it's things we experience, you know, going through. I mean, I can ask you, what are, what are memorable week season that you guys know, remember? Ah, uh, the too many to know. <laughs> Weeks is always, always warm, right? He's always sweating. He needs to have the studio at 60 degrees and he'll be there. I mean, you like, oh, Sergey Sweaterov out here because he's sweating, right? There's a week yeah. season. He'd be yeah. making a glove save in practice and he'd be like, Danny Glover. And he'd throw the puck in the corner and hit the knob of his stick. He'd be like, chalk knob lock. Like he just like has a sand for everything. Like I had the goose bump the one time because it was so cold in the studio. And I'm like, look, I have the goose bumps. He goes, oh, a little Retief Goosen over there. So I'd be like, like, there's always something with Weeksy. Now I want to ask you with Kevin Weeks, 
because every time he walks in a room, he always has his uh, AirPods and it used to be the, you know, the, the headphones on and that's his phone. And he's always talking to somebody. Did he have a cell phone glued to his hand and to his ears back in the days? Like how did, how did he network back then compared to now? Before the whole cell phone era came into play, honestly, like that was the crazy part. Like him and I, we used to communicate all the time, but we didn't have the cell phones like that back in the day. And yeah. so trust me, the, the phone calls, even today, nothing's changed. Our phone calls are minimum 45 minutes to an hour, minimum. And it, it's, it's just the way it is. And, uh, you know, like you said, one day, one day we and I were flying and we were going somewhere and all of a sudden we're standing waiting to get on the, uh, get on the plane. And I, I look over at him and all of a sudden he's just breaking out into a sweat. And like you said, Sergey sweater off. Right. And I'm like, yeah. I go like, what's going on right now? Like we're, we're not like, you're coming out here right now. You're, you're, you're out here like key sweat. You know, so we give, I give him that one. You know? And then he goes, <laughs> he goes <laughs> so it's, uh, he goes, yeah, it's like the Miami heat out here right now. It's like, I'm like, buddy. So, <laughs> so we're just, we go back and forth. And again, it's, you know, it's the names, you know, it's the, yeah. and yeah, we'll throw names at everything. Like, you know, uh, you, you take a shot and the guy does the, the, the two pad stack, you know what I mean? Oh, he's, he stacks the Patty LaFontaine's there. And he just, whatever we do, it's just, we make up names, we have fun with it. And it's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you watch him on the air and you see he's just animated. But mm -hmm. the funny thing is that's, that's not, that's not for sure. And if you know him as a person, that's yeah. who his person is. And, mm -hmm. you know, we, we joke around and we say things in here and, you know, and it's it, the energy he brings. It's, it's amazing. And, you know, <laughs> if I do something or, or one of our quick little uh, things we do all the time is somebody messes up or does something. The first thing we yell out is Lloyd. Lloyd. Lloyd, oh my gosh! When I first we, when I first worked with him at NHL, that used to come out all the time. Oh my gosh! <laughs> well, you do that in Cincinnati if somebody messes up in practice, everybody yells oh, Lloyd. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh Something no! Happens, and they just they come they slip Lloyd. <laughs> oh my gosh! That is amazing. Yeah. So you know, it's it's always the things we do, right? And uh, yeah, that's that's. You know, you bring that energy, you bring that, you know, that, that passion, that laughter, you know, because again, oh. you, you go through ups and downs in, in, in a season and, you know, you, you can't be always down. You got to find ways to just keep everybody smiling, right? At times, mm -hmm. right? So time to yeah. be serious, but times are like to be loose. I Jason, can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm going to literally like, I'm going to turn the volume up next time I tune into a game and I want to hear a Lloyd. I want to hear the bench yell Lloyd so loud. <laughs> and I'm going to clip it and send it to Weeksy because that is so, and people like, I know it's a bit of an inside joke and people are going to be listening and watching this and like, why Lloyd? But it is so Weeksy all over everybody that's worked with him. Everybody's played with him, knows exactly. He'd be on the bench and be like, Lloyd, like, oh, that's so good. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's so good. No worries. Yeah, Jason, I, I think, and that just puts a bow on everything. It's it's the common things that we get to share, no matter what our position is in hockey or the world, you know, when we can all find that common thing that we relate to. And, and the three of us are really lucky to have had Kevin interspersed in our lives, uh, you for much longer, but, you know, it's just, it's wonderful. Um, continued success. Here's hoping for fewer transactions down the road and more stability 
And uh, honestly, uh, you know, just can't wait to catch up again and, uh, and learn more. It, it has been really insightful. We, we greatly appreciate the time today. No, thanks for reaching out, guys. I, I love it. And, you know, like I see the passions in both you guys. I can see it and I know it. Duffer, I, you know, I listen to you all the time. And, and, and Marty, like I said, you know, being in, in Buffalo around the time for training camp and, again, running through the elevators and you're going to go run the minor hockey skate. I mean, hey. I was stitching my kids' pads in the hallway. <laughs> I had the, the needles and the, the thread. Yeah. I was stitching it. Yeah. I, I asked you. I said, is this, is this Marty Biron or is it Arthur Zerbe? What's happening here? Yes. <laughs> See? There it is. Perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. Jason, all the best. Thanks so much. No, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Such a good individual. The game at large is full of people like Jason Payne, Marty, but sometimes and today's a great example it feels really good to be able to shed more light on someone's journey in hockey it's pretty cool and everybody's got their own journey but the fact that uh, you know he's gone around so many different leagues and so many different uh, career paths if you want to say it that way to have found one that i think he will excel in and will make his way in the national hockey league one day is, is really important he's still a young man right yes. he's only 47 so uh 46 47 so he's he's got a long way to go in his journey as a coach still so we look forward to the day where he ascends to the next level and that's where we tend to wind things down we elevate those who have earned it in our three stars of the week what do you got Okay, so my three stars all are in Colorado with the Avalanche. First, the team um, on Wednesday night, they won their 17th consecutive home game. That's pretty impressive. You're a fan in Colorado. You buy a ticket. You're basically seeing a win. That's not that's nothing new. They get 17. Maybe they go for 18, 19, 20. It's been impressive. Um, but with that comes a couple of players that have gotten like just unbelievable seasons. And one is Nazim Kadri had three assists against Boston on Wednesday night. And he's fifth as we speak in league scoring. He dropped a little bit. He's moving back up. I mean, that's Nazim Kadri shouldn't even be in the top 20 and he's fifth. So that's pretty cool. And my number one star is Kale McCarr with another goal against the Boston Bruins. And if you look at McCarr with 17 goals right now, he leads all defensemen, but Big picture in the National Hockey League. He's got more goals than Johnny Goudreau, than Jonathan Huberdeau, than John Tavares. He's tied in goals with Kirill Kaprizov, Willie Nylander. I mean, he's a goal behind Pierre-Luc Dubois. That's pretty amazing, the fact that Kale McCarr has got 17 goals this season. Nice foreshadowing. The first three guys you mentioned on the heels of Makar there, all with the letter J. So, because I know you love this theme, my oh, yeah. three stars are presented by the letter J. And they also happen to tie in with pending free agency. I'm going with Johnny Gaudreau as the third star. I mean, 14 points in the last six games. Yeah. It's so amazing. This, this is why it's so hard to be a general manager. The discussions have to be so deep within your hockey department. What are you projecting in the long term? Because now that Johnny's back to that level, it is going to be a challenging negotiation for Calgary to retain him. One would assume based on the fact he's a pending UFA, but 51 points on the year simply dynamic and fun to watch as we have known Goudreau to be the next couple are kind of first-hand experiences i.e we just saw them inside of key bank center joe pavelski pending ufa it just never seems to stop for him this year and at his age to be in line to cash in once again because he has thrust himself 
in amongst the top scorers in the game again this year. It's so impressive, not to mention helping Dallas battle out of a, a much lower position in the standings and get back to where they expected to be. But they wouldn't be there just with Pavelski. The other one is, of course, Jason Robertson, who is a pending RFA and coming out of his entry-level contract. So how big is it going to be for this player? And, you know, I'll tie in something that I, I saw a tweet from Paul Hamilton on as it pertained to Alex Tuck. He said that he hasn't seen, and I'm assuming he meant a Sabre player, enjoy the game as much as Alex Tuck enjoys playing the game. Paul said he hasn't seen that for quite some time. That's exactly what I feel every time I see Jason Robertson, literally, Marty, every single shift. This kid loves the game so much, he is rewarded for that enthusiasm. Yeah, I do love your three stars, and I do love the letter J. Uh, my son's name is Jacob, so maybe maybe fourth star to, to him. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I do think that's uh, um, Jason Robertson. When Dallas came into Buffalo, you'd been talking Robertson for weeks before that and days before that. And I know I watched a lot of games and I'm like, yeah, I like him too. And then I watched him live. I was like, no, I love him. And you're right, Duffer. He's pretty special. Pavelski, amazing as well. So uh, yeah, that's pretty good three stars. And uh, just quickly on Alex Stuck, yeah. I think a lot of kids that make it to the NHL forget that the game is fun. And a lot of it is because, and I'm not blaming coaches, but coaches, they, they want to teach you. They want to always be on you. When Alex mm -hmm. Tuck came into the National Hockey League in Vegas, Gerard Gallant just basically said, Tucky, do whatever you want. You want to go out on this trip? You want to go to a show? You want to have fun? Keep the smile. Play the game the way you did when you were a kid. And he's carried that with him. And it shows in practice, in games. It shows all the time. I love that when you allow players to still play it like it's a game in the backyard or on the street. Great way to end it based on our guest today. Also the letter J in Jason Payne. So yeah. uh, we'll sign off on that note. Look forward to seeing you again real soon. Obviously Sabres on the road coming up. So uh, we'll be very focused on that. This has been the Instigators Overtime Podcast presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos.